0: Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini.
1: Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I am your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. Today, we are going to be talking with an expert who works with individuals and companies to find their rhythm and voice as leaders. It is a privilege to be welcoming Mona Vogel to the show. Mona is a multifaceted professional speaker, trainer, and consultant. She is a classically trained musician, former radio DJ, and veteran leader and trainer from Southwest Airlines with over 20 years of leadership and training experience. She understands the art of building an epic leadership team and what it takes behind the curtain to retain that top talent year after year. Mona's speaking engagements and teachings ring with the fervent message that success isn't just about spearheading an operation. It's about a genuine connection with your people. Mona teaches that relationship to our work and each other is the ultimate fundamental. To neglect its importance implies a strange expectation that you can pack the house and then bring it down with an incredible performance without rehearsal, sound check, and knowing your band. Everything she composes is poised on the subject of leadership because whether stellar or shoddy, leadership has a reverb effect that impacts everything from personal well-being to office culture to the bottom line. It's no small task to be in charge of the vocals and the beat, and that's what she helps leaders do find their voice, and lay down their rhythm, but make it so others can hear the music. And in doing so, they don't just create harmony, they completely rewrite the score. It is my pleasure to welcome Mona Vogel to the show.
0: Thanks, Christina, Um, it's, it's great to be here.
1: Well, thank you for joining us. So let's start our conversation by hearing a little bit more about your background and the work that you do with individuals and companies.
0: Okay. Well, I've uh, worked in the corporate world for probably 25 years or more, mainly on the front lines. And I love those customer-facing roles where all the action is. Yeah. I've sort of gravitated towards operations and training most of my life. Um, I started my leadership career with Mobile Oil back in the 80s, where I spent a little over a decade, actually, kind of learning the the down and dirty of multi-unit retail in the oil industry. And um, in that position, I also learned a lot about B2C sales, running uh, several of their retail locations in the Dallas area. And I love having that experience to tap into now because, you know, very early in my career, I was able to kind of get a a, um, a hands-on education about what it's like to run a business of your own, because as, as, as leaders there, that's kind of what we did at, at a macro level or a micro level um, without all the financial risk, of course. But we ran those retail outlets as if they were our own because back then part of the salary was commission. So you, you can imagine we busted our tails to, to generate revenue and sales. And at that time, I, I really thought I had kind of a full knowledge of what leadership and leading was all about. But it really wasn't until I went to work for Southwest Airlines that I realized that a a huge part of my leadership was lacking, and that was the people side. So I spent the next decade working as a leader and a trainer for Southwest in their ground operations training department. And this is really where I learned the, the, the true nature and to truly understand leadership. I think one of the, the biggest problems that I see today is, is, is that too many leaders are just overly focused on the operational side of the business and not enough on the people side. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, the operation, without that, there is no business. But you know, without the people, there is no operation. And so it's critical, I think, that leaders focus more on where it all starts, and that's with their people. And Southwest does that you know, better than most. And, and it's really what I teach today. It's what I talk about every day. It's really just about shifting that focus from from the what we know as kind of a traditional sort of command and control leadership model uh, to more of an influential one um, that makes it easier for leaders to you know, increase engagement and, and increase retention and sales and and really just kind of raise the level of what's possible in business. And I learned that at Southwest because they really, truly raised the level of what's possible for a startup airline. I mean, nobody thought they would succeed. And that type of leadership model played out right in front of me every day there. And it really changed the way I viewed leadership.
1: So how did you find, I mean, everything you just said I find really fascinating. And and there are a bunch of questions I'd love to ask you. Um, How did you learn going, just segueing from your first significant work experience to Southwest, you mentioned that one of the things that you thought was lacking in your um, toolkit, so to speak, was really understanding the people side of leadership. How did you learn that lesson? What, what happened along the way? Um, you mentioned that a lot of it is sort of the Southwest business philosophy um, on, on how to differentiate themselves. But were there any personal anecdotes that you'd like to share about how you figured out the best way to continue on your journey of learning leadership?
0: Well, you know, it's, it's interesting you ask that. I mean, even at Mobile Oil, you know, it was that traditional command and control. But it was really before that that I really learned that um, what I thought was true was uh, th- that command and control leadership style. I mean, I was raised by a Navy lieutenant. And he, I mean, it was strict growing up at my house. And we were taught that, you know, when you got a job and you went to work, you worked from the moment you got there to the moment you left. And that was a, that was a model that I used because it's what I knew to be true. And I was really successful at it. It brought me, um, the level of, of success that I thought I was, um, supposed to achieve and wanted to achieve. But it wasn't until I went to work at Southwest that I learned the people side of things and, and, and what was missing. And, you know, I'd been there about two years at the Dallas airport working as a, a training supervisor. And I, I loved my job and I worked my tail off, um, not just because that's the way I was raised, but but I wanted to move up in the company and I, you know, I was ambitious. And so I wanted to show my leaders how hard I was really willing to work. And, you know, our station manager at the time, Art was, he's this, he was the greatest guy, he still is, but um, you know, he's very approachable. And so one day I went into his office and I said, Hey, all right. I said, I need a favor. He said, all right, come on in. And I went in and I said, I want to get some feedback from you if that's okay. And he just kind of looked at me and said, sure. What do you want to know? And, um, I said, I I, I really want you to tell me what you think of me as an employee, but, but before you do, I want you to do it without hesitating. Just what is the first, first, first thing that comes to your mind? When I say, as an employee, what do you think of me? And without hesitation, he said, Mona, you're one of the hardest working people I've ever met. Now, honestly, I can, I can tell you that my facial expression <laughs> probably said it all, but I just said, wow, that's, that's awesome. And, and I remember thinking to myself, I wish my dad could have heard that because he would have been very proud. And Art looked at me and he says, that seems to make you happy. And he said, well, I said, well, of course it does, shouldn't it? And he says, well, yes and no. And so I said, okay, now I'm confused because (laughs) that sounds like a really good thing to tell an employee and what an employee would want to hear. And he says, well, don't get me wrong. You know, you really know your stuff. You're an amazing supervisor and you spend so much time understanding the, the tools and the resources that you need to do to be successful. He said, but what I want to see more of is I want to see you getting to know the people that work for you. And so I sat there for a minute and I just, you know, I was thinking, I'm not sure where this is going because I'm thinking in my head, I do know these people. And I, I said, Art, I do. They, they know me. I talk to them all day long. I spend all day with them in my classes. And he said, you're right. They spend all day in your classes while you're training them. When was the last time you just sat down in the office with someone and just got to know them? And I said, well, (laughs) I do that on breaks from time to time. And, and, you know, when I'm on the clock though, I'm supposed to be working. I mean, I see other supervisors sitting in the office, just killing time. And, and it, and it goes against every grain in my body because that's not what my dad taught me. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, it it was, it was, you got to work and you went to work and I'm not going to waste time while on the job. And he says, they aren't wasting time. They're building relationships. There's a big difference. And he said, "Just just try it a little bit." He says, "Do me a favor." He said, "Just take thirty days." He said, "I'm giving you permission to waste time." <laughs> and I said, "Okay." And he said, "Just he said, do it naturally. It's just it's, if, if the moment is in front of you, just sit down, stop what you're doing, and just chat with these people." And it wasn't, you know, I thought about that, you know, at first it kind of was like, oh, man, do they not like me? You know, and, and, and it wasn't that at all. I mean, we, we, we had great fun at work and we always got things done, but he was right. I, I really didn't genuinely know what these people's true, you know, passions were and desires were. I, I, I knew him at a surface level. Because I was constantly working, I, I didn't take that time to get to know them, and so I left his office, as you can imagine, with some some very mixed feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was serious, you know, about getting feedback, so I needed to be serious about following it, and so I did. And you know, it was an amazing few months. I mean, my entire perspective on leadership changed, and and it was just with that one piece of advice. And it's worked for me ever since. And I, I incorporate that into everything I do in my business, my keynotes, the training. You know, I talk about the four stages of leadership. And stages one and two are where leaders build those connections and those relationships with their teams. And what when I started teaching this, one of the real pivotal moments of my career, Christina, was that I realized that. For probably twenty years, the you know my early twenties and thirties, I had been at stage one of my leadership. I'd never really progressed wow. into a level of success. Now, I mean, again, don't get me wrong; I was successful. Right? I mean, I, I I earned good money. I had great work relationships. The people that worked for me and and the people I worked for, we we loved our jobs. But I I, I know now today that I was not anywhere near. As successful as I could have
1: been. That's pretty amazing um, to be able to sort of look at it through a different lens, looking at your experiences, but that's what life is about. It sounds like that conversation with your colleague was pretty transformational. Are you still in touch with him?
0: Uh, I am. He lives in Austin. Um, he doesn't work. He retired from Southwest as well. but yeah, we communicate on on social media and 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 every once in a while when I get down to Austin, we'll grab some lunch or something. But yeah, it was definitely a pivotal moment for me. And that was early in my career at Southwest. And so it really transformed my 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 outlook on things for my entire uh, time there.
1: So let's fast forward. So how many years were you at Southwest?
0: I was there ten years.
1: And what made, it sounds like it was a, an amazing experience for you mm-hmm. and, and what ultimately what ultimately made you decide that you wanted to start your business and do the work that you are currently doing and what, and what inspires you to do it
0: Well, I was working for Southwest at a time when um, all the airlines were were struggling 9 um, 11 impacted everyone uh, in the airline industry it to to I mean, just from a, from, from an outsider perspective, looking in, it was a great degree, but when you were inside that bubble, um, it was, it was devastating. And Southwest did a really good job of staying on top of things, but throughout the years, they offered uh, a variety of early retirements. And at the time I was actually taking care of my mother who had Alzheimer's and they had offered their fourth early retirement. And I decided, you know, this was, this was a time that I could spend some more time with her, and 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 walk away from a, a great career and then look at building my own and so that's kind of what made me leave Southwest and move into my business but I did it because for the simple reason of the fact that I absolutely love teaching I mean there there is just nothing more and, and that's all I did at Southwest the entire mm-hmm. uh, time I was there my my entire job was uh, was teaching I mean, I've had some of the best teachers showing me the way for over 20 years in almost every aspect of business. And, um, you know, I, I started to think, you know, as, as, as I, I grew out of, of the Southwest world into my own business that, you know, I wish I'd had somebody like me in my 20s um, right. to teach me how to begin my leadership career from the start. Um, you know, some of the leaders, the things that I think make leaders amazing, um, they're just not taught in schools. Like empathy and and emotional intelligence, and and how to build a a strong, robust culture, or you know, how to even just grow your own influence, and in a way that just inspires people to to take their own action. And there's plenty of access to this knowledge, but unfortunately, there's just not a lot of priority put on it for business to today. And 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 I wanted to change that through my work, and now with my business.
1: Well, you and I are both kindred spirits in that respect, because. As you know, and I think we've talked about this, I write a lot about emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and empathy and relationship building. And I completely agree with you that it's something that, especially if we were having this conversation 10 years ago, um, you know, you really would have gotten a lot of folks sort of looking at you like you're from another planet, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think that post recession, post 2008, in the conversation about what differentiates people, especially even in service businesses like law, for example, where historically you didn't have the um, competition. I mean, it was one of those things where the demand was pretty consistent and people were able to make a really good living practicing law. Now we're in a market where it's pretty much flat demand and it's about taking market share from other people. So it's all about differentiation and it's all about relationships and leveraging those things that make you unique and also leveraging relationships. And if you don't have solid relationships and you don't have the ability to really effectively forge those relationships, then I think it makes it a lot tougher to be successful.
0: Exactly. I would agree with that a hundred percent.
1: So let's talk about Leadership today. Okay. You 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 obviously work a lot with leaders. You are a leader. You've um, been in this environment for many years of training and teaching, and asking yourselves and having discussions with other people about what makes um, you know. I guess top top leaders, and there are different philosophies on leadership as we've just discussed um, mm-hmm. over the past few minutes. So what do you what do you think makes a great leader and in what ways particularly today do you think leaders are significantly challenged
0: um, well I think it boils down to what what we just talked about and that's relationships um, I think uh, relationships are the ultimate fundamental for leaders so I'd say to to build relo- the, the strong relationships with the people that they serve um, is ultimately what creates the success for a leader um, if once they truly understand that you know creating a connection with their people is um, that that common thread that unites them all together to their teams to their their departments their organization and then ultimately to their customers um, they can they can do no wrong when they when they build that connection unfortunately the relationship side of the things um like you said back in the day we would have just looked at been looked at like we were crazy but even today it's usually still even if it's important to someone it's usually the first thing that gets put on the back burner um it's one of those things that we'll get to when things slow down um and we know things never slow down um i mean i get it i was raised by a navy lieutenant <laughs> you know i mean that's 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 what that's what happens but i think one of the things that significantly challenges uh, leaders today, and, and really I hear three big things. Um, one is that they're constantly being asked to do more with less. Even though maybe their industry or the economy is doing really well, they're just being asked to do more with less. And so that, that relationship side of things, it gets back burner because they're constantly trying to just get their own jobs done. Um, one of the other things that I hear a lot of is that customers today have more buying power than they ever had before. And it makes it very difficult for them to, to keep uh, customer loyalty, even, even to find it. I mean, I think the days of, of being uh, number one uh, because of, of, of your product or the price is, is going away. I think the customer experience is taking over because of this buying power that customers have. And that customer experience comes from the, the employees. And so for leaders to build that strong relationship in the beginning with their team, so that employee experience is good, ultimately spills over into that customer experience. It's one of the, the founding philosophies at Southwest is you take care of the people and they'll take care of your customers. Um, and then the last thing I always hear is, is and this is, I hear this a lot too, is that companies are having uh, their, their top talents being poached uh, right out on, from under their noses. And, Often it's just for a few dollars more a year, and it's leaving them with these open positions that are really hard to fill, especially with the employment um, you know rates so low and and it's It's difficult for them to find the the competent but really just the top talent that they need to fill those positions. Um, I mean I get it leaders have a tough gig today it's like a, a fire hose hitting you in the face every day um, <laughs> now, now that's what they think the challenge is so I think the challenge is that leaders get so caught up. And I mentioned this before in that day-to-day hustle and grind uh, of the operation that they miss some of the strongest assets that they have that are right in front of them. And it's not intentional. Um, We're just taught as leaders to focus on the operation and they really just need to shift their focus over to their people. So there's so much untapped talent in so many organizations that I work with today and leaders are just not capitalizing on that talent enough.
1: How would you recommend that leaders do a better job of uh, not just capitalizing on their existing talent, but also keeping them from getting poached and identifying talent? I know that we could probably talk for hours on yeah. this topic, and I actually have um, a, a hiring role with my law firm nationally, and one of the things, main things I'm tasked with is to spot talent when, they're, when folks are in law school and trying to figure out, you know, will this person be likely to succeed not just in the short term, but the longer term in my organization? Um, with all the experience you've had, do you have any tips that you can offer when it comes to not just leveraging and capitalizing existing talent, but also knowing how to spot it and knowing how to keep it?
0: Well, I think knowing how to spot it is really more about knowing what it is you're looking for. I think um, what I, I see leaders doing is filling a position based on a skill set that the job requires versus, now, and, and that's important, But but they don't take the time to really look at the type of individual they're trying to bring in. Um, I, and I, I, I hate to keep referencing Southwest, but I'm telling you, they, they're just one of the best at this. And when I worked there and I'll, I'll never forget this, my first interview with them was in a room with 70 other people. It was a group interview. Wow. <laughs> yeah. There was 70 of us. And I was looking around thinking, this is, I'm going to be here all day. <laughs> and I thought, because I thought they were going to individually be pulling us back. I knew there was, it was a group interview, but I, I couldn't imagine that they were going to talk to 70 people, right? But they did. And they only ask a few questions and they were silly questions. And, you know, it was just the strangest thing. But as I I came to learn over the years that I was there, they weren't looking for skills. They were looking for attitude. And they weren't your typical interview questions like what would you do if or uh, name a time when kind of things. Although they, they did begin them with those, but they were, they were wacky things. They, they were really more personal type questions. And it was very interesting to me the way they could easily in a group of 70 people weed out 10 that they wanted to, um, or call out 10 more is a better way to say that, 10 that they wanted to do individual interviews with. So I think it's more about yes, you want to, especially in a in in a in a position like yours. There there are some. I mean, obviously Southwest doesn't just hire pilots because of their attitude.
1: Right. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you you need some technical capabilities also, right? Yes,
0: there are. But I can tell you this: if they have two very qualified pilots in front of them, they'll pick the one with the attitude, The, the attitude that fits that culture. Not just. I mean, they could both have really great attitudes and be personable, but, but, but what is the culture attitude or the attitude that fits the culture that they're trying to fill? And I don't think hiring managers today take that little extra step to really define what that culture is, what the, the attitude is that fits that culture, and then finding someone that goes in it. I mean, when, when I left um, Southwest, I mean, I, I mean, if you're hiring somebody to work on the ticket counter you can train someone to work the ticket counter that doesn't require a college degree or skills, but you can't train. And this is one of my courses. Actually, you can't train DNA. And so it's really important for hiring managers to look just deep down at what that person is made of and what they bring to the table. How do they solve um, the emotional intelligence problems that we see in offices today? You don't ask them that question, but, how do, how do they interact with other people when there's conflict? Those are the kinds of things that you want to see. And you want to have people that are 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 right for your team. So I always encourage leaders to look for people that are very different than themselves. Well, Too often, I think,
1: yeah, I was going to say, I think that that's very important. And I I think that that often gets lost because I think one of the things that people tend to do, especially in the interview process, is they tend to really like people who remind them of themselves, right? That's
0: exactly right. That's exactly right. And it's, and it's easier in the workplace because you get along with them quicker. There's, there's, there's not a learning curve building those relationships. And, and I tell leaders, it is, it is harder to work for people who are, are different than you that um, challenge the way you do business. Um, I'm, I'm somewhat of a, a disorganized, um, I, I'm in, in the Myers-Briggs world, I'm an ENFP. So I don't do a lot of planning and and detail and and organization is not my favorite thing. Can I do it? Yes. Is it my favorite thing to do? No. So I have to surround myself with people who are detailed and are organized so that things don't fall through the cracks. But what what that does for me as a leader is it challenges me because now I have to give them a work environment that meets their needs. And so it's this, this give and take that has to happen in the workforce. I mean, this last team that I worked with, literally every single pe- person on my team, with the exception of one, was a completely different uh, personality type than me. They were organized. They were planners. I mean, some of these folks would, would, would plan out their, their, their next site visits six and eight months in advance. I'd be lucky if I remembered to make my hotel reservation. <laughs> And so, you know, as you're planning as their leader, you have to, I mean, it it frustrates them if you're just constantly waiting till the last minute. And I know this is really kind of an oversimplified example, but it's one that I see every single day is somebody that that has a personality type like mine, for example, leading a team of of planners and and detailed and very linear thinkers. They get frustrated and they want to leave. And so that's why it makes it easier for leaders to hire people like themselves. They don't have to worry about that. But then you ultimately end up missing things and things fall through the cracks and, and you don't have a really diversified team in, in in the way people think, if that
1: makes sense. Oh, that totally makes sense. So our time is flying by here. We have just a few more minutes left. I have to ask you, so one of your many talents is as a classically trained musician, <laughs> So, how do you take that background, which I'd love to hear more about, and I'm sure our listeners would as well, how do you take that background and integrate it into the work that you do with individuals and companies?
0: Well, that's an interesting story. I mean, I grew up wanting to be a musician, and so for years, I, I studied and played, and I played in a band at night and on the weekends and in and around the Dallas area. That's where I grew up. And um, I never really thought those two worlds, the business and the music world, would ever mix. Um, And then one day I realized that they actually do. And somewhere along the way, um, in the course of playing music and and working in leadership, I began to see parallels and specifically in the areas that really matter around people. And I started to see how the the, the rhythm of music is, is really a lot like the rhythm of leadership. And I learned how to translate one into the other and make a business out of it. I mean, some of the greatest musicians of our time have so much to teach us about influencing generations of people. And and the best part of music is it's universal. And so everyone can relate to it. it. It tells the stories of our lives. And it's that common thread that I was talking about earlier that that unites us. And it's the same thing we want in our jobs. We want our customers to become fans of our product. And, and, and we want our employees to find meaning and, and be grounded in the work that they do. But as leaders, what are we doing to create that common thread? Or you think about um, a band like the Rolling Stones, for example. I mean, the generations of people that they have influenced over many, many decades. It's crazy. It's
1: remarkable.
0: It's crazy. And that's real power. And and it also fascinates me when, when I study these artists on a little bit deeper level um, because we can translate that power as leaders, uh, the power of that influence into. Uh, a corporate language and strategies that really, really work and work really well.
1: That's so cool. So, our time is up for our first segment. Um, I would love to hear any closing thoughts that you may have. And I'm sure that our listeners would love to know where they can find you.
0: Absolutely. Well, you know, I think if I was going to say one last thing, um, it's that leadership isn't hard. It just takes time and it takes dedication and it takes heart. Uh, It's about influencing, not controlling and building relationships with your teams is the ultimate fundamental. And without it, nothing else really matters. Um, As for how they can get in touch with me, I'm on literally every social media site there is. (laughs) Um, They just search at Mona Vogel. Uh, Just don't forget the last E on the end. Most people do. And my website is monavogel.com. Oh, and on the website, they can take a free leadership assessment. Um, it guides them through sort of a self-assessment. Um, and then based on the results, I give them some advice on how they can pr- improve in those, in those areas.
1: I think I know what I need to be doing in the next couple <laughs> of days. I need to be taking that assessment. Do it. I'm, I'm interested to hear how it comes out. <laughs> Well, we I'm sure we'll talk about that and a lot of other things. Um, thank you so much for joining me, Mona, and I really look forward to the second part of our conversation.
0: Thank you, Christina.
1: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. We hope that you have enjoyed part one of our conversation with Mona Vogel. We hope that you will join us next week for part two of our conversation. I'm your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday
0: thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.